This song was created using the N-Track Studio app. Feel the rhythm. The highlight of your week has arrived, Andrew. Yes, it has. Feel the rhyme. I don't know how to say your Instagram handle, so I'm not even going to try. Get on up. It's 11 o'clock on a Saturday. We all know what that means. That you're probably keeping me from watching a Liverpool game? Yep. It's podcast time. Andrew, we hit this week, and what I think are the two best words in all of running, race week. Yes. How are you feeling? Yes. Uh, it is definitely race week. It, uh, so our office is really cold, and I drink a lot of hydration beverages during race week. Okay. And I realized I need to take a sweater with me to work. Because when you are hydrating for race week and your office is freezing, you are even more cold than usual. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'll be taking a sweater tomorrow for sure. But I'm very excited. I, uh, I've been looking forward to it. I don't know what Sunday holds, but the, the, the payoff is nigh. And I, I could not be more excited about that. So, uh, yeah, how are you feeling? You're not racing, but... It's a weird feeling because I'm thinking back to how I felt this time last year when I was I was feeling, you know, similarly like it's here. You put in all that work. You don't know what the day is going to hold, but it's finally here. And um, I obviously don't have that for this week or this year. But, you know, at the same time, I, I'm really enjoying getting back into running. I'm going to go to the gym here tonight after we get off our podcast. And uh, I. uh I think I I know I've talked about this before, but I I think I've settled on the Pittsburgh Marathon as my my marathon that I'm going to attempt next spring. And I was looking at the course today and just kind of getting myself all jazzed up for it. So I'm I'm liking where I'm at. Yeah, at least you don't have to go go through the hey, cooler weather is finally here. You're probably going to get sick uh, on race week. The phantom sickness of taper. You know. Taper, it's funny. A lot of people hate tapering. I love it. I don't get the tapered madness that a lot of people get. I don't get those weird phantom feelings that a lot of people get. Tapering and I seem to go together really well. Now, I always do struggle in the fall when the temperature finally decides to like permanently get cold. And yeah. so I'm always afraid that it's going to happen this week. But I haven't had that happen to me yet. So luckily, it looks like cold weather isn't here to stay. Right. Actually, I'm looking at the forecast right now. It looks like you're going to have some decent weather on Sunday. Yeah, we are. But, you know, it, it's just, it's the whole, my office was cold. It is cooler out. I mean, a high of 60 most of the week here. Yeah. I think Wednesday it warms up. So there is a little, little bit of like, oh my God, the weather's changing. Right. I have terrible allergies. I'm just, uh, it's, uh, that's, I think that I wouldn't even say it's like tape like a taper thing you know how people get phantom injuries and stuff sure i don't even say it's that it's just hypochondria of race week i mean i it has nothing to do with it just has to do with uh how close it is i got the same thing when we went on our cruise it's like what a bad time this would be to get sick right anytime i felt like i had to go to the bathroom i was like oh my god i have a stomach bug 
I, I do hate that. I uh, What's funny is the year that I broke 130 in the half marathon, I was coaching uh, at Ravenna that year, and our last regular season game was against our big rival, Kent. And the game was on their field. Ravenna has a, a really nice uh, blue turf field, and Kent still plays on grass. And it wasn't wet, but it was a little soft. And I always warmed up the goalkeepers. That was part of my job as goalkeeper coach. And I went to take a shot. And when I planted with my right foot, the ground underneath me gave just a little bit so that my uh, my leg kind of buckled and like just like a little bit of soreness in my Achilles. And I was fine. Like I was able to finish the warm up and everything. But then you're just like you're two days away from you're three days away from racing. And it's like, oh, my God, is my calf going to be OK? Is my Achilles going to be OK? And it was like really sore the next day. And I'm freaking out. And I saw the school trainer. and He goes, you're fine. You'll be fine. It might be a little sore tomorrow, but by Sunday, you should be fine. And I was, and I, I got the race time that I wanted, but I completely understand the hypochondria because I've had something happen and it's awful. You think about all those yeah. months of training. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't that suck? I mean, I ran Akron three, two weeks ago, you know, put in multiple 20, 18, 16 milers and like to have like a sinus infection creep up right now would just be, ugh. yes, let's not talk about that. Let's, Let's talk about positive things. So uh, we had a really cool weekend in, in the world of running. Huge weekend. Um, Saturday, we had Elliot Kipchoge officially, unofficially broke the uh, two-hour barrier for the marathon, 159.40. Did you watch it? God, no. I was asleep. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, actually tried to stay up and watch a little bit. It's a friend of mine. Did you watch it at all? I, I didn't watch it live. Uh, I, well, I actually watched a little bit of it live. A friend of mine moved back recently from Vermont, and uh, we shut down a bar together. And so I got home, and, and the race was on. So I watched a little bit of it, but there was no way I was going to make it to the end. And then I woke up the next morning and you know saw the news. And I've watched I've watched the very end. I don't know how many times the the very end of it is just so damn cool. And he breaks away from the pack and then everybody's behind him, you know, cheering him on when it's clear he's going to make it. Um, Yeah. What a, what a moment, what a moment for running. Yeah. I I thought it was really incredible. I thought the coolest part was his, his post run interview. Cause you know, he, he really, there's only two people in marathon running um, two males who this should have happened to. One would have been Meb, the other is Elliot, because they are just such tremendous ambassadors to the sport. Yes. Yeah. Like his post run interview, he's talking about how he, he's doing this because he wants to see other people do it. Right. Because he wants to open the floodgates, but he also wants to let everybody else know like, you can go out and you can hit your goals and accomplish what you want if you put the work into it as well. You know, like he, he's not j- just doing it for him. I mean, he is. It's He made a lot of money off of doing that, I'm sure. But, yeah, he's he's doing it for, for many other reasons as well. And I just think he is such a good guy. And to be the absolute best at what he does and be as humble as he is outside of the course. Because uh, on the course, I mean, I'm sure he is just a cocky little fuck uh just because he can pound everybody into the ground when he's competing against them but uh yeah i just just a tremendous guy and 
I'm so glad that he was able to do it. Um, it was engineered. We, we do understand that, but it was still engineered or not. Uh, 159.40 for 26.2 miles is absolutely ridiculous. 68-second, 400-yard 400, 400 laps around a track, 100 50 times i mean that's just stupid and he, he sped up at the end yeah <laughs> like the guy sped up at the end um you know does does it being an engineered time trial in any way minimize its importance to you no because it wasn't acknowledged as a world record i think if you can compartmentalize the two i i, I think you can appreciate what he did and understand that he had every possible advantage. It was, it was designed that way. I mean, they designed it to be as easy as possible for him. But I don't think that takes away from what he did. I mean, we all remember how we felt when we saw he broke the world record by 77 or 74 seconds or whatever it was. And, and to see that he ran, what, uh, 120 seconds faster? Yeah, I mean, that's such a significant yeah. drop, engineered yeah. or not. And we understand that it's it's not possible for humans right now to run in a race. Yeah, but, you and I, you and I had talked about how cool it would have been if he and uh, Bekele had run Berlin at the same yeah. time, and because Bekele was within two seconds of his world record. What's so tough about that is, you know, if you look at Kipchoge and you look at the splits he put in, he was he was the human metronome. He was consistent split after split after split. And racing doesn't necessarily lend itself to that. Now there have been races when he broke the world record, he was largely by himself for the last half marathon. If you would have had a race like the one that Bekele put together, then you've got two guys running with each other, but the tactics come into play there where one guy is going to try to break the other. There's going to be a surge and, and you lose that, that consistency of pacing that right. maybe you need. And, um, yeah, I think it's funny. I, when we talked about this, you and I talked about this on the pod when, when the attempt was announced sometime over the, the summer and I went back and reread the perfect mile, which is about Roger Bannister's quest to break four minutes and it's it's kind of lost now to history, but Bannister's attempt was itself somewhat engineered. He he went out and bought specifically made shoes for the event, and uh, he had two pacemakers running with him. And and the pacemakers, one was essentially the plan was one was going to run as hard as he could for two laps to to keep them going through the first two laps, and then there was a second pacemaker. His job was to try to keep up with him for three laps to get him to that final lap where he would you know, where Bannister would just take over and finish it himself. So I think when you're talking about, you know, a, a human trying to push himself to the end of those limits, there aren't many guys that can run at the level that an Elliot Kipchoge can. Right. And so it makes it so hard to have that person with you to push you all the way through that maybe kind of draw out those last little bits of what you're capable of putting out. And, and so while I understand that's engineered, like, Maybe to get that first time done, you needed to have, you know, drafters who are themselves Olympians who can, you know, Olympians at shorter distances who could act as, you know, pacers to get you through there. Um, yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, we, we've seen that a human can run under two hours to go 26.2 miles. And 
it's uh, it's an incredible thing, and it, you you just wonder now what it opens up now for future performance. Did you watch Chicago yesterday? I did not. I did not. I I don't watch a ton of running events unless there's specifically somebody that I want to watch. Or you know, I watch the Boston Marathon every year. Uh, I know right. I know about the the world record being set in the women's marathon. Yeah, that was that was incredible. Well, I was I was gonna uh, transition that in a second. I wanted to bring yeah. up one thing about yeah. Chicago. Well, they they brought they brought Pacers back. They had taken them out. I think the last two years. Okay. They did not have um, rabbits uh, in, in the race, and I tell you what, there is nothing more boring than watching a race. That has rabbits in it. It is just awful. There is no. You were just talking about yeah the the uh, tactical aspect of marathon running. I, I think it is phenomenal to watch that. You know when you when you see a pack of five go down to a pair of two at mile twenty one because one guy takes off and only one guy can hang with them. Right. And then and then the the cat and mouse game that goes on with those two guys. It's incredible to watch. I think it is just fascinating television but when you have these uh these pacers running a 204 pace for the first 20 miles you had there were four guys in the last half mile who had a chance to win that race and it was just not interesting i didn't sit there for uh uh, two hours and five minutes to watch an 800 meter run i that's not what i i tuned in to see i wanted to see good a good tactical final 10k and we didn't get it and i just thought it was boring they need to just take those guys out because it was just uh it was awful and i and not to diminish um what bridget koske did because i mean she just obliterated radcliffe's world record that had stood uh but you know she she had two pacers with her uh for the first 18 or 19 miles right and that there is an aspect to it. I, I don't, I, I don't like pace setters for the uh, for the competitive athletes in general. Uh, I, I think when you see what it was able to do. Granted, um, Kipchoge had what seven of them on the course with him at a time, but I think it. Um, I, I just think it takes away something from a race, and I don't like to see them in there. I think it's different for rec athletes who are you know going out and trying to just accomplish a time for themselves you're competing with yourself in the course not against other people if you're competing with other people take the pacers out i don't like it yeah that, that i can certainly agree with because there's a difference between what you're looking for in a race versus you know again kind of like a structured time trial like what elliot did um you know, a race to me just needs to be the competitors against each other. Go out and see what you're capable of doing. Right. Uh, you know, if you want to engineer something to to run against time, that's fine. Uh, but I, I think especially too, like when we're talking about what counts as a world record and what doesn't, you know, 100 percent, you know, what happened on Saturday in Vienna shouldn't be a world record because of how engineer it was. But you know, if we're going to count world records in races or in competition, like, you know, field uh field events like in track and field do that because that's actual competition right you know that's actual competition you know man versus man woman versus woman see who wins who performs the best that day and i think that's i think that's part of it is it's not just the ability to physically cover the ground it's the ability to mentally handle 
you know, what your opponent's throwing at you. Right. And when you're going to throw pacers into that, to me, it just it removes some of that. There's there's a little less uncertainty because you just know these people are going to be with you. They're going to carry you through. Right. And then, yeah, mile 20, then we see it. Uh, yeah. Like you said, you don't want to well, see an 800 meter runner, even even a 10K, like at the end of a race. Let's not all have a structured 10K where five people get to 20 miles and we just go, OK, we'll run a 10K from here. I did think it was interesting uh, that the beginning of the 159 challenge, they were at Shalane Flanagan was one of the commentators and they kind of asked her like, well, what's he trying to do right now? And she basically said with the Pacers, he's pretty much trying to fall asleep. Like you're, that's really kind of, you just, you, you have these people who are basically just, pulling you with them yeah yeah you, you just get there stare at the back of the guy in front of you and just kind of zonk out because you're, you're, you're not going to expend any mental energy right whatsoever right and, and i and i know i've experienced that when i've run with pace groups uh in in marathons uh, a few years ago when i did run columbus and i was with the 305 group i really settled in with them and i got to that point where i seriously went like two or three miles and was like wait what mile am i at like i I couldn't really comprehend it because i just kind of zoned out it's a good place to be in but it's not it's probably not a place you should be in in a competitive race all that being said we do not want to take away from what uh bridget koskai did no uh because i she just that that record had stood for 16 years and she and she didn't beat it by ten seconds or any. I mean, she beat it by two minutes. She smashed though, yeah. Just destroyed it. And I mean, the next competitor was four minutes behind Paula Radcliffe, which I just think is insane. Like to think about that, she broke a record by two minutes, and then second place was four minutes slower than the record she broke. Right. That's just absolutely insane you know what else she had besides those pacers we're not gonna go into that the shoes we're not no you know i i read an interesting tweet and it, it really doesn't require commentary other than just to think about when when pole vaulting switched to fiberglass pole vaults the world record changed like 11 times in four years and we just simply might be at that iteration of where running is because yeah. everybody's doing the carbon fiber shoes now. Des did one Boston wearing Brooks carbon fiber shoes. We Sonic had has them. Hoka has them. We had a, a discussion on the vapor flies last week, and then well, yeah. I f- I feel as if we were. I well, I'll speak for myself. I don't want to speak for both of us. I was not educated enough on some of what the vapor fly, how some of it is constructed. And after Elliot did run the 159, once again, not taking away from his accomplishment. Right. But I did do some research on the vapor flies based off, you know, some tweets that I saw that frown upon the shoe. And I decided to look into it a little bit more. And I think there is a discussion um, in the future as to whether or not the shoe should be banned. Um, or if there should be 
be a, a governance on shoes that would be allowed by competitive runners. But another conversation for another day. We we had that discussion about Vaporflies a week too soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, and honestly, we, we probably had the Salazar discussion a week too soon, too, with the performances of Rupp and Hase yesterday. No kidding. Goodness, man. I, you know that's what's an episode what's, again in and of itself. <laughs> we'll just redo last week's episode in the coming weeks. I think what's kind of interesting because uh, I I knew a bit about you know obviously I knew a, b- a bit about the vaporflies. We had a conversation about it. I think what's sort of interesting about you know looking at the aftermath of this weekend with both Kipchoge and with um, um, Kosuke and the world record being broken is that. All this conversation's happening now, and my question is, you know, these shoes have been out for several years, and it actually started with Adidas doing their own shoe first. Nike just took that and went steps further. It's interesting that the conversation's happening now, and that the conversation hasn't gone on to the extent that it is over the last couple of days, that it hasn't happened in the last few years, because there seems to be this little bit of a, well, now, hey, wait a minute, why are we allowing this? And it's like, well, you've had three years to talk about this. Breaking two was what two I, or three years ago. Well, I wonder if Bekele running what he ran almost set it off more. We've just had we've had such a string. I wonder if there's almost an oh shit moment that we're having now. See, and I guess what I'll say, and we don't want to belabor this because we're going to talk more about our, our whole. And, and we don't we don't agree. And when Adam and I don't quite agree on something, we go back and forth and back and forth, making right. the same point over and over. <laughs> right. So I, I guess, you know, like the last thought that I'll give there is you said you wonder if there's a bit of an oh shit moment. My question's this. Why does there have to be an oh shit moment? Because in sports, the, the evolution of sport has been technological. You know, rowing changed when we moved from wooden shells to fiberglass shells. Pole vaulting changed when we moved from uh, wooden pole vaults to fiberglass pole vaults. Track and field changed when we moved from cinder tracks to rubberized tracks. We might just simply be at the next iteration of what running shoes are going to be. And it doesn't mean that we have to keep going on forever. If anything, the conversation might say, okay, this is where we draw the line. But this technology didn't come out a month ago. This technology has been around now for three, four, five years, and it just seems like all of a sudden now people are going, well, wait a minute. And you directed me to, to a, a tweet Des Linden put out, and her tweet was just simply, it was actually an older one that she retweeted again yesterday, saying, we need to have a conversation about carbon fiber plates. Okay, absolutely. But at the same time, you wore a shoe that had carbon fiber plates when you won the Boston Marathon. It's just everybody's doing it now. And that's why I just wonder if we're just at that next step. Yeah. Well, another discussion for another day because we can go on forever based off our text message thread from yesterday. That was, four, that was cut short by me having to go for a run. Uh, that's fine. And then I had to go to work. We should. Speaking as, of. Uh, I would say as we're on Chicago. Yes. We do need to give a shout out to friend of the pod, Erica Gennaro. She crushed an 11 minute PR at Chicago yesterday. Oh, yeah. No vapor flies. And she once again continues her streak of big things happening and running at a race that she runs. So she has now run the Boston Marathon when Des won, the New York Marathon when Shalane won, 
the Berlin Marathon when Eliud set the world record, and now Chicago when the women's world record was set. That's quite That's a, a deep cut right there. You, you remembered that. This is, this is why I love doing a podcast with Adam. He may not do jack shit on our social media. It's all me. It's true. But he, he goes back, and he, he listens to the tape and, 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 and brings that with him. It does well, help gosh. It does help that she messaged me on Facebook and said, "Can we restart the conversation about me having bringing good luck with me to races?" <laughs> and See, I told her, I, I told her we'd add it to the outline, and she laughed at it. And I'm like, "No, really, we're going to add this to the outline." Uh, don't give away your secrets, Adam. I did remember the races, though, off the top of my head. You, you did, but at, as soon as you said it, I remembered all of them too. Yeah. So. But seriously, Erica, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, now, two more stars to go. Two more stars to go. Heather, Heather finished with her as well. Yep. Heather battled some. Uh, uh, I think she's been battling some injury during training, so she did not PR, but she was still very happy with her performance. Yeah. So we're very glad to uh, to to have seen them have a great race yesterday and in good condition. 100%. They're they're continuing to raise money for London. That'll be their their fifth star. So they'll be down to the final one after that, uh, come April or May. Yeah. Uh, but if you if you want any information on how to help uh, Erica and Heather reach their fundraising goals to get to London, please do reach out to us so we can point you in the right direction. So, but we're gonna turn away from Chicago. We're gonna stay in the Midwest. But we're going to turn away from Chicago. We're, we are. We're going to go. We're going to go a little bit east. We're going to hit I seventy one. We're going to go south, right into Columbus. It's Columbus Marathon. Sorry, let me rephrase that. It's Indigenous Peoples Marathon oh. Week. <laughs> we can call it by its real name. It's okay. So the Columbus Marathon's on Sunday. Yeah, and it's it's what uh it's what I I've been training for. It's what Adam was going to be training for. Uh, it's what Thomas, yeah, our, our our old friend Thomas had actually tweeted that he had, he's registered for Columbus. Yeah, that came out of the blue. Yeah, to be a volunteer. That that came out of the blue. I can't believe he's going to do it and miss. The Manchester United game with Liverpool, but hey, kudos to him. Kudos hey, kudos to him. to him to go. I wonder what he's doing. I wonder if he's handing out water or medals. Yeah, you got to find out where he's going to be. I don't know Thomas, if I want to. Thomas's awkward mug handing you water. Oh, he'd probably throw it on me or something. That's he, probably he would... true. <laughs> Maybe I do need to find out where he is. You might want to do that just like, you know, to plan ahead so you can make sure that you're prepared. Right. Columbus, man, it's a good. God, it's a good race. You and I both have a history with Columbus. Yes, it's a PR for both of us. How many times have you done it? I've done the full thrice. Oh. And the half. Wait, hold on. I have I'm looking at my medals. I only run the full twice. Okay, I've run the full twice and the half once. Okay. 
I feel like that still doesn't make sense. Am I miss? Oh no, there we go. Never mind. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a uh, okay. Two and two. Okay. Well, I, I just I got that. Did you see the uh, metal board I got from a friend of the pod, Brian Burke? I did. Yes. Beautiful. Sharp. Check out my Instagram at Andrew Runs a Lot if you don't know what I'm talking about. But I, I redid all the metals on my metal wall because of that. So I was having a tough time finding my Columbus medals. But uh, yeah, so two fulls, two halves, and my uh, my two fastest marathon times are both at Columbus. When was the last time you did Columbus? I ran the half two years ago, and it was okay. my slowest half marathon uh, race that I've run. Okay. So it's my PR in the full and my PW. <laughs> and my only DNF because one year I went out for the full and I only ran the half. So it's even though really, I don't, it's eh, not a DNF. When when you're BQ or bust, I'm gonna run a three hundred two thirty, and you run the and you you run the half. It's a DNF. I guess that's fair. I'll let you label it as you like. Yeah, I've done uh, I've done Columbus. A total of two times. It was my second ever half marathon, and it was my my now my most recent marathon. And it, it's kind of funny to think about because there is a whole lot of of learning in between there. Because that that first half, that one half marathon I did was 2011, and um, you know I remember somewhere. So somewhere that summer was when I decided that I wanted to run the Boston Marathon because I went into that Columbus Half Marathon wanting to break 130. That I've said before, like that was the goal that I set for myself before I would start tackling marathons. And I quickly learned that race that getting underneath 130 is really hard to do. That it's not nearly as easy as you would think it is. And uh, I went out way too fast and tanked late and uh it was not a fun finish there at that columbus half marathon it's a great course and the, the half marathon part of the course especially is is fantastic it's well spectated mm-hmm. um and then you know fast forward what seven years to last year where i run you know my third over marathon and you know it's my marathon pr it's my second bq and uh, a, a much smarter much more seasoned runner hit that course last year and right. um god so much fun. What's kind of funny is it's it's not just the racing that's changed, but I think about how I've changed. In 2011, I was just a year out of grad school, and I went to Ohio State to get my master's. And so, master's in bartending, right? Oh, God, I don't want to talk about that. Because <laughs> I'm using that to pay it off. Um, but I, you know, I was really fortunate. My my graduate school program, we were very tight, even though I was at a really big school. Uh, my program, we were really tight. There were only 28 of us in, in our little English education cohort and made some really great friendships. And we had it was an incredibly stressful year and we bonded over that stress. And so being there like a year outside of that, it was incredibly meaningful. And, you know, seven years later, just, you know, a lot of life has changed. And you know, I, I moved on from the career that I, I had worked for and um it was just it was just interesting. I remember being down there and just, you know, kind of noting the different feelings that I had being down there all those years yeah. later. Man, a, a great a great race. Um, it was kind of cool when I was able to run my PR. Uh that race in 2015 was actually my bro- brother's PR 
in the fall as well. Okay. So Columbus is a bit of a family affair for me and my family because okay. the we, we did that that year and it was kind of cool. We were both going for Boston. Uh, I this wasn't when I was trying to run. 30. We, my brother and I just decided when we were walking to the start line that, that morning, we were like, hey, let's just line up with our Boston groups. Let's just see what happens. Uh, it did not pan out for me uh, about mile 18 or it's probably about a mile or two after the shoe. So it was probably 19 or so. I started to cramp up a little bit and I stopped to yeah. and, I, and I was slowing down. And, and so I stopped to stretch for a little bit. Uh, you know, stretch out the calf on the, on the curb and that, that site you see so often that stage of the marathon, people with their, their toes on the curb and, yep. but my, I knew my brother was coming uh, towards me. I knew he was catching up to me cause he needed to run a three ten. He was, he was running for the 35 to 39 age group, which I wish it was still three ten. No uh, kidding. So it's unfortunately, it's unfortunate when you age up to the same time. Right. It's, it's but, awful, or in my case, aged up to going back down. <laughs> right. But, you know, getting, being able to uh, cheer my brother on and, you know, just tell him to go after it. That, that was really cool. He didn't quite get it. He missed it by about a minute. But, you know, we, we got to do that. We both enjoy our PRs from, from that year. And then the following year, which was the year that I DNF'd, uh, my dad, who would have been 63 at the time, about five weeks before, decided he wanted to run the half. And so he did as much training as he could. Uh, probably the, his, I mean, Matt, definitely to his benefit, it's the fact that he lives at uh, 6,800 feet in Castle Rock, Colorado. That does help. So he, or 6,300 feet. So he was able to come down to, you know, about 400. I, I think that's about where we're at. He was like 800 or something feet uh, above sea level. And he, on minimal training, my 63 year old dad went out and ran his first half marathon in like 30 years or something. Like just a really cool experience. It's really made it suck a lot less for me what i went through that day yeah uh just to be able to see my old man go and do that was was really cool really good experience so yeah it's a, it's a family affair and my, my brother and sister-in-law and nephew they live in columbus uh we'll be staying with them saturday night they'll nice. be downtown for race day and you know that finish the finish shoot at columbus is one of the best I oh, just God, yeah. spectators forever and yes, but spread spread out enough where you can spot people you want to. Yeah, and, and I I think that's what's cool. You get to be really close to a lot of the spectators, and you can really find those people in that awesome moment. It sometimes feels like an eternity because you feel like it should be like a hundred yards, but it's like a half mile. But uh, yeah, it is. Just, it is deceptive. It's really deceptive. Like you think it's you think it should be right there when you make that turn, because you can hear it when you make the turn. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because and, and we'll go into this setup. Yeah, we'll go into this in a little bit when uh, Adam gives a much more abridged version of a course preview than he did for Cleveland. Got my. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk. I'm and I wish I sh I should have approved your notes. It's not that uh. much. 
It's only three pages. No, no, no. I just all I've got is the course map in front of me with a couple of handwritten notes. I posted my show prep to our Instagram feed. You, you can see it. You posted on our, our Instagram feed. I did. Oh, I'm gonna I go did. check this out. Uh huh. Oh, you did. Okay. Uh, That's still a lot of places that, that you're picking much. out. I I highlighted some of the stuff and. I'll ignore other things. The noise shuts off at 13. It really does. We'll talk truth. about that, but it hit, it hits you in the face. It's amazing. We'll, we'll get to that. So, Andrew, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Because this, yes. this, this is your race. Like, you have been training all year to get ready for this race. I've been training for, like, 12 weeks, but... Okay. And, I mean, it, this, is, this is for you a race that you're really going out for you haven't had a race like this now in a few years mm-hmm. and so i'm just i'm gonna i'm gonna let you get on your soapbox a little bit and just kind of wonder like what this particular race and this cycle means to you after it's been a couple of years to to getting back to this point it has been a very interesting couple of years you know i i love the app time hop on our phone Yep. getting getting to go back and see where you were at certain points and it becomes a great running journal because i do share so much of my running journey on social media last year i was excited at this point when i had run more than two miles a day for seven out of ten days man do i know that feeling right now <laughs> right so to look back on that I mean, I like I get emotional thinking about, especially with this being race week and putting in the long runs that I have. Like, like I get emotional thinking about it because that, not that running two miles a day for seven out of ten days is a small accomplishment. It isn't, but that just shows like I've I've been I've been in better shape than I'm in now. I've had better trainings than the one better training cycles than the one I put in now. But I was down kind of like at my bottom where I was just fighting just to get out on the streets consistently. Yeah. Like, it wasn't that I was even fighting to get in, you know, during this cycle, I talked about how it was difficult for me to go out and run a half marathon distance. And I, I was really struggling through the heat on some of those long runs. A year ago, I was struggling just to lace up my shoes. And I fought through all of it. And it took dozens of tries to get back. So many tries to get back. And every time I thought I got back, I'd hit another roadblock. And, you know, it even happened in this training cycle. As recent as this training cycle where I was going through those long runs where I just could not do it. And, you know, I even talked about how I was wondering if I could – am I going to run these distances again? Right. I've yeah, had I remember the, that. I've had those thoughts and then when out that the a run I'll never forget was when I went out at the beginning uh, or the end of August, beginning of September, I went out for a 13.1 mile training run. And about mile 4, I said, let's just see if we can do 16. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think that's not a smart thing to do for people <laughs> most of the time but i know my i do know my body i've put in those types of miles before 
and I don't have a ton of mileage and pounding on my legs now. So I knew I was, and I'm, I, I'm in shape, even if I'm not in the best running shape I've been in at this right. point, I was still in shape. That was the other thing. Like I'm strong. I spent a lot of time at the gym over the winter and spring and had still been running. I, I kind of knew like this is something worth trying. And when I look back on that run, that was the run where I, you know, I, sh- I Shalane Flanagan at mile eight, just with a fist pump and a fuck. Yes. Like yeah. knowing I'm turning around to go home and finish 16 miles. Like this is incredible, you know, to kind of be back at that moment uh, where, from where I was a year ago, where I was just excited to be going out and just doing it at all. You know, I, I think it's just really cool to be sitting here now uh, just a, a weekend away from running what will be my second marathon in four weeks. And that's something I've never done. I've never, granted, I did not run all of Akron. I did bonk super hard at mile 21 with the weather we had. It was going to happen. I, it was a training run. I knew that going in. Yeah. I, I running the pace as slowly as Mike Spangler and I did probably led to some of the bonk because it can be difficult to run that easy. Uh, for that long, I, for sure. Yeah. It really, I think it just kind of, you know, at, at a point it just, just hit me and, and that's fine. I, I set out with a gold run 20 miles and if I walked the last 10 K who cared? And that's what I did. But here I am now two weeks away from doing something I've never done. I've never run more than uh, a marathon in a four week period. I, it's always, they've always been separated by four or five months at least a spring and fall. And here I am talking about doing two falls after last year. I was excited to run two miles, 70% of my days. Yeah. What a, I, that's just a turnaround worthy of, you know, patting myself on the back and, uh, and just trying to revel in that and enjoy that. And I, I haven't cried at the finish line of a full marathon since my first. I have a feeling that changes on Sunday because I am a very sentimental person and I've had these thoughts so many times over the last couple of days. Even yesterday on my my eight, final eight mile run, my final quote unquote long run, which is not that long anymore. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm just and even thinking like eight miles was nothing. Like I just went out and just yeah. ran it easy. You know, uh, like. Uh, there's just so much uh, just introspection you have to do and just just looking at how far you've come and what you've accomplished and and understanding that you've put in the work and and I've done that. I've put in the work and I've fought to get back and here I am a handful of days away from truly being back and going out and racing 26.2 26.2 for the first time in years. Yeah. When I was doing multiple, pre- I mean, I was running two fulls a year and haven't done one in years. And I, I don't want to blame it all on the dizzy spells I had because that was a half year period of my life. That certainly knocked me on my ass, mm-hmm. but that was, that wasn't, it wasn't a two and a half year thing. It was a half year thing. You know, there's just a funk 
that I got in, I was not able to get out of, no matter how hard I tried. But I just kept trying. You know, Desi Linden, her her thing is keep showing up, and that's what I did. Even when I maybe didn't get out for runs every day, or maybe for weeks at a time, I still never gave up on running. I mean, I don't think I ever. I mean, I never went months without running. I would, I would hit like a couple weeks and be like, I really need to go out and do this. And I would go out and do it. So now I'm rambling. I'm sorry. No, you're good. No, you're good. Cause I, I, uh, I, I've been there myself. I've had a couple of years where I've not been able to race. I've had a couple of years where injuries have derailed me and you know, I'm, I'm kind of going through it now, what you're talking about, where it's just like, it's an accomplishment to get out the door multiple times within a week. Uh, I, don't, right. I don't think since I started back, I don't think I've run more than four days in a week. And my usual training schedule is six. And I'm fine with that now. But I'm also like, all right, if we want to do this, we got to we got to you know get beyond that. And it's just that's that next step in getting back. So to see to see where you're at now, where you're you're back to where I'm hoping to be in the spring, where it's race week. And it, you're yeah. not just going out there and running just for the sake of running. But you're racing. You're getting to go out there and put your put your training on the line and really see what you're capable of. It's it's a great thing. It's it a is. great thing to get there. And it's it's you don't know how much you miss it. You don't realize how much you miss it until you've had it taken away. Yeah. Uh, like I had so much fun yesterday going to the grocery store and buying like twenty four body armor. Oh yeah. Like, you know, making sure I have plenty of pasta and meal prepping potatoes and all these things. Man, I'm so good at segues. I was just going to say, this is perfect. You know, going into these rituals of race week. That's the topic I'm moving into now. But, yeah, getting to do all of those things is so much fun again. Like, it's, it's kind of... It's kind of stupid. I mean, some of them are some of its superstitions, uh, but you know, fo- just being like, "Yeah, I'm gonna focus on hydrating this week." I mean, I'm, yep. I have a eight pack of body armor sitting on my desk at work. It's it's just fun. Like that is fun. It feels like it feels like you are doing, you are preparing for something special, and you are. Yeah, but I think that's what's great about it is you you have all these little things that you get to do uh that that are just going to you know it makes it an entire week process you know you talk to people at work about it people ask you about it at work yeah it's it's just fun it's uh yeah it's a really good feeling do you have anything race week that you any like diet superstitious kind of things that you do like what what is your race week like I just brought up going and buying a bunch of body armor and uh, <laughs> bananas and stuff like that. Well, there, there's the old standby that I don't do anything that I don't normally do. I make sure that I don't try any f- new foods. I don't. Right. You know, if you haven't used a supplement before, if you haven't tried, you know, some of the Gatorade pre-workout stuff, like I don't do any of that because you don't want to. You don't want to do anything to your body that it isn't used to. Uh, you know, it's uh, like I'm thinking through now, and I, I think I'm having to reach back a little bit because because I'm not in it. Um, there's probably stuff that I'm that I'm gonna miss. Hydrating for sure. Like I feel like I'm always walking around. I've got these, um, I've got these Indians 
uh, plastic cups that are, you know, those huge like souvenir cups you get in an Indians mm-hmm. game. I don't know how many ounces they fit, but I, I feel like I walk around with those all week and I'm just constantly drinking water and hydrating. Uh, I've always got pasta in the fridge, especially race week. I probably eat a yep. pasta dish at least once a day, if not more. Um, you know, just trying to, you know, kind of the secret about carbo loading is people tend to try to do it like the day before. You want to do it in oh. like week leading up. You want to build up those stores right. for a week. So I do that. Um, I tend to sip on Gatorade too, just to make sure I've got electrolytes. God, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, we're pretty, we're pretty even in this. You know what else, you know what I do do? And it's, it's not just race week. It's probably in the month or so leading up to the race, but I'm a big movie guy. Yeah. There are, there are just a few movies that I watch like any, any race cycle where I'm really going to be going after it. Uh, there's a few movies that I watch. I always watch Chariots of Fire. I'm a big fan of Seabiscuit. I'm a big fan of Cinderella Man, kind of like the underdog right. stories. Uh, I watch those. So usually, Prefontaine is a good one too. I do like Prefontaine. Usually, I do. Jared Leto movies. is awful, but that's like the one movie he is really fucking good in. It's so funny that there were two movies that came out about Prefontaine like right at the same time because there's Jared yeah. Leto in one of them, and I think it's billy crudup in the other one yeah the other one i have both of them uh yeah. the other one is uh oh sh- shit i don't I think know, it's, but... <sighs> is it billy? i think it's billy crudup it and then um the the guy that played the drill sergeant in full metal jacket is yeah. uh is dellinger um and the uh the the funeral scene in that without limits um that yes. that's the the um, the funeral scene in that one, I think, is so much better. I think they, I, I think the two movies complement one another very well. I think the, uh, I think Prefontaine did a better job um, following the kind of the Olympic story of Prefontaine, whereas I don't know, I gotta watch Without Limits again. I just remember the funeral part, like in the way. Uh, oh God. What is his name? Uh, the drill sergeant guy that you're F. talking Lee, about. F. Lee Ermey. Yes, the way he um, delivers that line that uh, the purpose of a – what is it? The purpose of running isn't to win a race. It's to test the limits of the human heart. Yeah. I hadn't I hadn't heard that before because when, when I seen the movie, because like six or seven years ago, I, I wasn't really Googling quotes of people. Mm-hmm. And I was watching – this right before um, I ran Cleveland or Columbus the first time because I watched pre before I ran Cleveland and then I watched Without Limits before I ran Columbus and it was the first time I watched Without Limits. I watched pre countless times in high school. Like we watched it all the time in cross country. But when when he delivered that line, I'm just sitting in my chair just bawling like a schoolgirl. Yeah. But man, if there isn't like a more you know Elliot Kipchoge type or quote that fits like Elliot Kipchoge's run from Saturday or what you're doing personally in your races. I mean, that, that is it. And like probably the most iconic runner in the history of running, uh, you know, what said that and, uh, and it's true the that the purpose of running is it's to test your own limits. And, uh, I do think that's cool. And yeah, movies. So you do movies and I go off on tangents. 
that's okay. It's all part of our pre our pre race uh, <laughs> pre race tangents. Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited about Sunday. I'm sorry, sue me. No, you should be. You should. Be. And you know, it's just Columbus is just a great race, man. It just really is. I think of all the races that I do, they're all special. I I really do think Columbus, even though I've only done it twice, I really do think Columbus might be my favorite of all the races that I've done. It's just such a well-organized event. I totally agree. And, you know, we had talked about it um, off-air about uh, Darius and just what a good job he does. And But you can really feel... Like that, that he puts his heart and soul into this race and yeah. into the details of the race. Yeah. Uh, when you're participating in it, it it is a special event. I mean, from the it, from the very beginning. I mean, you, you have you have thunderstruck and all that at the start, but I mean, just the feeling of downtown Columbus. Columbus is just a cool city, and, and I don't it think is. that people don't give it maybe and the credit. It, it deserves but when you're walking through the arena district and you see the the blue jackets posters up and you see just downtown columbus just buzzing so early in the morning and it buzzes different than cleveland does on cleveland race morning yeah and that's not, it does. that's not to bash cleveland but there's no. there's just something more in the air like and i'm i'm interested to see this year what happens we're going to talk about, about the back half of the course but I'm interested if, to see if the Buckeye game being on Friday affects anything positively about the course. Because there's a been point. a lot of primetime games, and I know this because I've had to make the terrible, awful decision that no Buckeye, <laughs> no marathon running Buckeye ever wants to make, and that is sleep before Columbus or watch Buckeye versus Wisconsin or Penn State. I had to make that decision three straight years because they played primetime three straight years before Columbus. I had an easier decision last year, bud. My decision was made very easy for me <laughs> because it was the primetime Purdue game the night before. Uh, so I was able to go to bed before that game ever ended because oh, that game was over. That game was over plenty early. That was good. Pur- that was good Purdue game. Right or no? No, no that no. was. Oh, we got our. We got okay, our so we got smoked by Iowa the year before. Okay. Iowa was yeah. two years ago. Last year was okay. Purdue, and uh, yeah. yeah, no, I was. I there was no need for me to stay up. Nope. Urban Meyer took care of that. Yeah. Oh he yeah, sure you're not, not going to have that this year. No. I hate the Friday night game though. We don't need to talk about it, but my no, God, no, we don't. Yeah. So you know what my favorite thing is about race week? What's that? That the evenings I don't have to do anything. Yeah. Just like talk to you. It like I'll go out easy. I'll go out and run tomorrow evening and Wednesday evening, but I'll be done by like seven twenty, yeah. seven thirty. It's great. And then you're like, I got nothing else to do. And you like you intentionally make sure that you're not doing much because you don't want to do any physical exertion at all. Right. Yeah. It's gonna be you know, do that shower, and then I will be, with the exception of tonight, 14, this is Monday, so it's not as big of a deal. I will, and I think this is important. I think one thing a lot of people forget, we all know carbo load. We all know hydration. I go to bed early every night of race week. 
I, I, I try. I'm not good at my bedtime. See, okay, now here's the thing. I'm a dad. So one thing that you'll experience when you have kids is there is a – after your kid goes to bed, there is a window of time where you are absolutely fucking exhausted and what part of you physically you want to go to bed, but mentally you're like, I just need some awake time where things aren't complete chaos around me. That's fair. So you stay up maybe uh, – usually I'll stay up to like 10.30, maybe 11, um, which gives me seven and a half hours of sleep, which is does me fine for the most part. But no, race week, with the exception of tonight, I'll be in bed by 9 every night. Yeah, I'm not good at that. I'm a, I'm a night owl anyway, so I'm just never good at that. But I do well, see what your, you're saying. Your I know job lends you to that too. That is also true. That is I, very, I'm up very at true. six every morning, so you know I, I gotta be I gotta be in bed at a decent time. Right. But yeah, there's one one week I, I prescribe a bedtime. And I think that's I do, do think it's important if you are if it is race week, you need to do that. You need to find yourself solid eight hours. None of this don't find yourself at the low end of the spectrum. No, no. You know, you can't you can't do the six hours the the week of a race like that is when the bulk of your recovery is going to happen. It's going to mm-hmm. do way more than spending a hundred bucks on a massage will do. Yep. It's going to do way more than. Um, I mean, you know how much I love my tens unit. It's going to do she way do. more than my tens. My tens unit will do. I mean, it's more important than you know the carb loading, the high. Well, maybe not the hydration. That's probably the most important part because that that's going to remove a lot of toxins and stuff from your body too. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you got to get that sleep, and that's just that's one thing that I will focus on. That's that does kind of suck about the Buckeye game being on Friday because hopefully uh, we get it by halftime. I think that's another one that'll be over pretty early. I don't think you'll have any issue. Yeah, I don't think anybody's gonna. Wisconsin's the only one that could. Knock on wood. Yep. 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 All right. So you want to know what you're uh, in, yeah. Andrew? What's that? You want to know what you're in for on this course? We got well. I know I'm not running through the horseshoe. Yeah, no horseshoe. Maybe, maybe next year. Maybe someday. Um. So what's nice about this course is that just like Cleveland this year, uh, Columbus did not change their course at all from last year. And so I ran the course last year. I know what the course is like. I can walk you through a little bit of it as far as what I remember. Uh, I'll tell you right now, Andrew, one of the best things about Columbus is that that start line is organized. It's not like uh, some other races where you're mingling with spectators and you can't get to your corral. There's an actual like athletes village and you do not have to worry about anybody being beyond there. If you don't have a race bib, you don't have to worry about anybody being there. And so it's nice. And they check you going into your corrals, too. Yes. Now, I will tell you this, and because I'm not running, I haven't looked at this. I thought the gear check would be in there, and it isn't, or at least it wasn't last year. So make sure that you look that up, because the gear check was kind of far away from it. I had to kind of... Uh, it is just outside the corrals. So you have okay. the athlete entrance, which is also yeah. the exit when you after you finish. Yes. And the gear check is... 
caddy corner. Guys, this is how many times I've done this race. Is uh, caddy corner at that intersection to the entrance. Uh, I think they want to keep the exiting runners right. from uh, from like having to circle back into that area. Exactly. What else so, about the start, Adam? All right, so you're in the Star Corral. It's great because they're very good about checking to make sure that you're in your Star Corral, which means it's a much more organized start. Uh, other cool thing about Columbus with the start is just that because of the shortening days, you actually do take off like right at dawn, so it's still kind of dark when you leave. Uh, you'll stand there. You'll get played out by Thunderstruck. Fireworks go off, and you're off. And Okay, hold up. Back up. Yeah. Back up. Yeah. Thunder. Struck. If you run Columbus, this if you have no other reason to run Columbus, you have to run it for Thunderstruck at the start. Because it is the loudest. Oh yeah. Like they play it so loud it you feel it in your chest. Yes. And when you start to when you look around and you see these heads bobbing up and down to the beat like everybody is just getting super fucking jacked it's amazing and then the gun goes off the fireworks go and for some reason they play born to run by bruce springsteen which is so anticlimactic as you're running past the start but thunderstruck's incredible yeah it it gets you going like if you're not charged up already yeah, jumping out it, of your shoes at that point. Yep. So you cross the start line with Born to Run playing for some yep. reason. You do, and then you're off. And it's it's what's nice about the way this course is set up is you've got four miles of pretty just straight ahead open running. You're going down Broad Street. It's one of the it's one of the main roads out of Columbus. The first, really, the first entire half marathon of this course is incredibly well spectated. People turn out for this race. It feels like, it feels like a thirteen point one mile block party. Honestly, oh, um, for sure. You head out. You get over by Capital uh, University. Start heading back towards Columbus, and then right around mile eight, you're going to hit what they call the Angel Mile. Now, this is the mile that's dedicated to um, patients of Nationwide Children's Hospital that have passed on, and it's it's an incredibly emotional mile because then when you turn actually run past the children's hospital itself Mm -hmm. and uh, just make no mistake there are kids up in that hospital watching runners go through I remember when I lost it last year was when I was driving home my dad drove me home and I was just scrolling through social media and the marathon twitter account posted a picture of kids looking out at the runners running by and that was just I lost it when I saw that so mile eight to mile nine is it's just just kind of emotionally prepare yourself it's an emotional it's an emotional mile to run for this race because it's, it's a race that organizes and and raises money for this hospital, for those kids. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's a big part of why you're running. Just be ready for it. I thought it was so cool to listen to Darius talk about how the angel mile even became about, Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe that's, that may be a clip. I need to go back and find a bunch of clips to share, but you know, he, he talked about how they started the, the children's champion, uh, program. Yeah. Where they have, with the exception of two miles, they have a child every mile who's a patient at Nationwide Children's. They have yep. the, angel, the the two that they don't have one child. They have the Angel Mile, and then they have um, I forget what it is, but it's like the alum 
Nine Mile, basically. Yeah, like those that are, like those that are no longer patients. Um, in a good way, they're they're yes, 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 yes. They're they or they have been children's champions before. They're still alive, but the Angel Miles for kids who have passed away, champions yeah. or not. But to run past there and to and, and to know that like there were parents who reached out to the race. Mm-hmm. saying we want to you guys are doing something amazing with nationwide children's my child died as a patient in nationwide children's and i want to come out and still be a part of this and that it is the most incredible thing i mean if you run past that angel mile and you do not read signs and you do not get choked up you don't have a soul because it is it is just incredible to see parents out there Mm-hmm. Honoring their kids, yeah, and honoring their their kids by honoring you and cheering you on, yeah, it is just absolutely incredible. So that is definitely a moment to absolutely take in and even slow down if you need to, yeah, because it is it is bigger than what you are trying to accomplish that day by a million years, and uh, I I just I adore I adore that mile. It is sad it is heartbreaking but it is incredibly fulfilling and happy all, all at the same time yeah that that's well put like you run the gamut of emotions you you're reminded of how lucky you are you really are to, to be fully healthy and to be able to do what you can do and just i remember just feeling an immense amount of gratitude when i was running through there once you get through that you were going to head towards German village. This honestly might be one of my favorite parts of the race. Um, If you listen to my Cleveland preview, I talk about how much I love running through Tremont. This is kind of the Columbus version of that. It's the old German village. You'll be on cobblestone streets. You run around uh, a park. They have uh, an elevated uh, cameras to take pictures of you uh, during the race. there, like right around mile, maybe 10 and a half. It's a really just a nice, quaint area in Columbus. Still well spectated. It gets a little quieter. Um, it's actually kind of a nice, almost like mental reset after just some of the emotion of the mile before that. And then you turn back on the high street. This is, I think, one of the two hardest parts of the course because it's still incredibly well spectated. You're going to be coming up to where the half marathoners split off and the marathoners continue. But it's, it's a mile or more of steady uphill running. It's not a steep uphill, but it's steady for like a solid mile, mile and a half. And I, if I think back to my race last year, I took it a little too hard. So like if your plan is to go out and really go for a time, uh, a time goal, this is one of those miles where you can back off a little bit because you kind of get tricked into thinking like, well, it can't be that long. I can see where like the main roads are over by the finish line are coming up. But it just it's a really long time to be running uphill. And if you go too hard, it'll catch up to you. Well, and an, an important thing to know about Columbus, it's often advertised as a flat course. It is and it not. Is. Well, it's I don't it, – it has a lot of small hills. It, yeah. Gradual. It doesn't small, have it, like the bridges that Cleveland has. But right. when there's an uphill, it's steady. It, it's it not is, steep, but it's steady. Every – the the whole course is steady uphill and downhill. Like if you look at the elevation chart, yeah, yeah, that's so a good way. So do not to put come it. in expecting eerie. Uh, and a lot of people call it flat. It is not flat. It does have hills, and sometimes they're welcome. But there is well, you're going to get to it here in a little bit around mile twenty. But yeah. um, you know, it, it, 
it's so don't don't be deceived. I do think what's cool about the first half of the course is if you have family and friends who want to come watch you. I think one of the the reason it, it is the most spectated part of the course is because people have a chance to see you multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they can go see you at mile two. They can walk a couple blocks and see you at mile eight. And that's really awesome to be able to see your family three times, you know, be it two, eight in the finish to be able to see them that many times on a, uh, on a race route is, is not common because you have a lot of out and backs because it's the easiest way to map out a course. Right. Uh, Cleveland did, or Columbus did a great job uh, in, in making this a very spectator friendly course. So the front half yes. of the course is amazing. And then you come up on the split where you yeah. can hear the finish line yeah. and you can see all your compatriots heading off to the left as they, the half marathoners head towards their glory and the party and you hear it and you look ahead of you. And what do you see Adam up the hill? Nothing. You see nothing. It's. <laughs> I'll tell you what I. So the moments I think the moment that I remember from last year's race was, you know, you get to the end of that that steady mile, mile and a half uphill. It was incredibly cold. Last year was the coldest day, the the coldest high that they've had for that race in Columbus since it started, and it was windy. And so, like, you combine going uphill with the cold. I turned left to continue going towards the marathon. And as I turned, there was a blast of wind. And I'm not joking when I say that the noise shuts off because you do pass where that finish line is. And then the finish line is raucous and you go past it and you make that turn to start heading out of the city and the noise shuts off. And I remember it like it smacked me in the face. And And we're still downtown. That is what is so incredible. Yes. Yes. Like it is a, you cross the street. It's like when Elaine in Seinfeld tries to order um, the Supreme Flounder from a Chinese restaurant. They won't deliver it to her because she lives on the wrong side of the street. Yep. Like it, it's, <laughs> and that was a phenomenal analogy by me. It, like you cross the street and there is just <laughs> nobody there. It is the damnedest thing. Like you look over your, your shoulder and you're like, the streets like line like four people back back there. Yeah, <laughs> none of you guys want to come over here. Nobody's Nothing. here, and and so I just I remember having the thought of like, oh damn, the work really begins now because you just don't have those you don't have that emotional support to keep you going the way that you do for that first half marathon. And and honestly, for the next two miles, it's pretty damn quiet. I mean, I went yeah. to Ohio State. I know Ohio State's campus very well, and for two miles you're running, and there's not many people out, and then all of a sudden you look around and you're like, "Oh, I'm on Ohio State's campus." <laughs> right. I was getting ready to ask you, <laughs> like, so it's two miles, then you hit Ohio State's campus. It's really raucous, isn't it? No. No. And, and, and that's the thing is like, <laughs> Ohio State students don't care, and again, no. why would they? It like, sucks. you know. It does, but it's like they're not out to watch people run. Why would they care? So, like, I remember having that thought of, like, God, I hope there's somebody out around Ohio State. No, there's nobody out. Like, you will legitimately go. I'm looking at this map right now. You're probably going to go about six miles with very light support. Yeah. And you just I, simply you know, need to be aware of it. What sucks, though, is, like, Akron. When Akron ran more on 
Akron U's campus, mm-hmm. the support was – it wasn't phenomenal, but it was still very good. Still and I, there were there were students out and doing things. You had like fraternities and sororities out. I'm a little bit surprised that there maybe isn't more of that. I do wonder if some of it is football season, and that's why I alluded earlier that maybe Ohio State playing on, on Friday night, Could we be. might have a little more. Now, Grant, I, I will say – the. Uh, my second race, or my, no, my first Columbus, we played Rutgers the day before, oh, God. and we, and, and my wife and I took a nap during the game. Yeah. So it clearly that Rutgers. was not a game, and, and, and it was during the afternoon, and I, I still remember um, the Ohio State campus being very, very subdued, but we did run through uh, the shoe. That was the final year that we ran through the shoe. Right. So we did have that. So I still have very positive memories that day running through the shoot because Block O had dozens of people in it. Like, I mean, I oh, gave really? an OH and I got a solid IO oh, back. Awesome. It wasn't like I, yeah, I didn't get it back from a handful of people. Like it, it was, it was a good experience. So nice. maybe with the game being on Friday, maybe just maybe we'll have some more sober kids and uh, they'll come out and they'll, decide to get drunk on Sunday morning and cheer on the race. You'll have to report back and let me know what happens. Um, yeah. So yeah, you hit campus, and like I said, I, I know Ohio State's campus very well, and I was just sort of stunned when I looked around and went, oh, I'm on Ohio State's campus. Uh, mile 16, just so people know, there is a turnaround. Like, you legitimately run, and then you have to stop and turn immediately around and, and go. So just be aware that you're going to have that kind of start and stop. Um, and then you get to pass the shoe, Andrew. You don't get to run into the shoe, no. but you will pass the shoe. This, for me, is where the wheels fell off last year with uh, about nine miles to go, unfortunately. This is this part of the course is, in my mind, the hardest part of the course. Because once you get past the shoe, you're going to run over a bridge that goes over the river. And then you get to the second real steady uphill. And it lasts it's like for a mile. It's like mile 17 and a half. Yeah, and it, it lasts for about a mile because it's going to go up Kenny Road and then up Lane Avenue. And that's about a mile, mile and a half. And again, there's just not much there. Uh, you're running around the intramural fields on Ohio State's campus, and it's across the river. So, like, not a lot of people live at this part of the course. And uh, it's quiet. It's really quiet, and it's uphill. And it's just it's a tough part of the course to run luckily once you get past that you're going to start heading for upper arlington upper arlington is one of the more affluent communities in columbus you really do start to get crowd support again and you start getting steady downhills i remember being really upset at this point because i was having stomach issues last year and i was i was purposely holding back because i didn't want to maybe push myself over the edge and i, and I knew i was holding back and that i had more in the tank than what i put out there what so, mile are we at right now? You're at about mile 19, mile 20. Okay. And that's going to continue. When we get to mile 22? Mile mile 22 uh, is going to be in Grandview Heights. And what's kind of funny is once you hit mile 22, there's been a lot of new construction in Columbus. I really did not recognize the part of Columbus I was in once I hit about mile 22, it looked very different from the way it looked when I was at Ohio state 10 years ago, nine years ago. Uh, so there, that was a little disorienting. There's one thing about mile 22 that sucks ass. What's that? Is that you can see downtown. Yes. Yes. It looks like 
it's like 14 miles away. Yes. It is, it is so deceiving because, again, like you can see where you're going to go. And, and I think what played into it, too, was, again, just like not recognizing that part anymore because of how yeah. different it looks. I was like, I'm 22 miles in and it's there and I have no idea how I'm getting there. Um, mile 20- well, and they kind of take you through like a little bit, if I remember correctly. Maybe I'm remembering some construction, but it's just kind of an industrial-ish area there, too. Or maybe just an older area with like old shopping centers and shit it's like kind of, it's kind of all of the above like there's some industrial area there's yeah. some really open areas where there's not much of anything there were some areas where there were like new they're just, apartments they're just trying to get you to that road that takes you downtown yes yeah and, and they just have to take you through a bunch of boring stuff and yeah. you get that view of downtown and it just it does look it's I, so we, close. we've talked about it for cleveland but and how Cleveland looks forever away, but this is the worst. I, I just because you you feel like you can barely see it. And <laughs> it's, it's like, like and, and you know you're close. You've gotten to mile yeah. twenty two, twenty three. You know you're close, and you look and you're like, how how the hell am I going to get there? <laughs> how was that only four miles? Yeah. Uh, so you keep going. Do you know that at mile 23, you actually run over railroad tracks? So just be aware of that. Like, they're level with the road, but, you know, just be aware of that so you don't trip. You're going to remember that. You will. When, you'll get there, and you'll be like, oh, yeah. I remember Adam talked about that. Oh, thanks, Adam. But then, but then, once you get past that, you start making a series of rights, and you get back to that main road that takes you back to the finish line. Um, it gets much more picturesque. It's much more heavily populated. There will be people out. It's tree lined, so you're in the middle of fall. You're going to have beautifully colored trees, uh, people out of their apartments cheering you on. Like you do start to finally get some of that support as you're heading back towards downtown. And then you get to that, that finishing shoot, and the noise turns on. The finishing oh. shoot is actually kind of sunk. So the, the finishing shoot, there's going to be stands but they're going to be a little bit above you. So you're kind of like, you feel like you're going to this like valley of noise. Now the finishing line is again, you look at it and you're like, I feel like it should be closer than it is. And it's not, it's, it takes a little bit of time to get there. It's like, a, I don't know, not quite a half mile to get there, but it's a bit off in the distance. I think, but... I think you, the, tw- I, I think it is close to half a mile because the 26 flag is a little bit after the turn. Yeah, it there's, is. Yeah. There's there's like maybe a pedestrian bridge over the road because there's like the yes. large retaining walls that yes. go up the side, which is cool because people be like hanging off them and shit. Yeah, it's like it's awesome. I mean, you feel like it's you're what at a sporting makes sporting events. Yeah, it, you feel you 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 are you realize you are part of something massive and like that final right turn too. I, like I I remember when I ran this the first time. I I was making that turn and I just looked at both sides. I couldn't hear anything. Because it was just so loud. And it wasn't the music at the finish. It was just the people on both sides. There were like four or yes. five people deep. Yes. For hundreds of yards. It was, I mean, this is a massive event. Like, people really get around Columbus. And I, I, I can't speak to last year. Uh, but I know last year was colder. And I wonder if maybe you didn't quite get the full experience. Because I, wouldn't I, have, been able, I, I have been able to run it when the weather has been perfect or close to it. And it just, it, uh, it, I was just the, the first time, especially my mind was blown. And the first time we had weather very similar to what, 
what's predicted for Sunday right now. And so I just, I wonder if we're going to get some of that again, because it is really that, that right turn. I visualize that right turn so many times on my training runs and uh, you know, just envisioning. I mean, it is just stamped in my, uh, in my memory. I, I can picture it so perfectly yeah. and, and yeah, making that right turn and seeing the retaining walls and kind of going down that first little hill and then uh, maybe, I, I don't remember what type of bridge it is, but yeah, there's like a pedestrian bridge or something over the road. And then you hit the mile 26 flag and then you kind of come, it kind of bends to the left, right? Am I envisioning uh, this gonna, right? It's going to bend slightly. It's actually going to bend slightly to the right and then it'll straighten back out to the left. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's just people everywhere. Yeah. It yeah, is. It's, it's an awesome finish line because it is, like you said, they're four or five people deep. And because there's those retaining walls, you feel like you're like running out onto the field in a stadium. Yeah. And it, it sounds like it. Yes. Yes. It loud, does. loud music, people cheering you on by name. Yep. That's where I've been able to see my family um, a few times. And it's, yeah, it's an incredible experience. And then, uh, and then, yeah, you, you get to come up on that finish line. You get to hear the voice of friend of the pod, Michael Kelly. Michael Kelly. Uh, he'll, uh, he'll bring you home. <sighs> I can't wait. And then you can go get a cream puff from Schmitz. They'll have a food truck there. So good. I, I don't know what that is. Oh, you should... If you see a Schmidt's food truck afterwards, there was one outside the athlete's uh, entrance. You should get a cream puff from Schmidt's. It is like the German restaurant down there. I will check it out. We, yes. we will, I'm not going to make any promises as to what I'm going to eat. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't know what you want after the fact. I just remember seeing it. I'm like, need one. Got to have that. That's how I've been with Swinson's after Akron every year. Really? Yeah. Did you listen to my um, my little spiel about Akron? I did. On our, okay. Did, did I talk about the dude yakking? Shoot, I don't remember. Okay. You didn't mention it last week, but I don't remember. I feel like you did because it's ringing a dull thud in the back oh, of my head. awful. That's, I mean, that is one Almost problem. made me not want Swinson's. Well, and that, you know, what sucked last year with me having the stomach issues during the race was that I live for Hound Dogs Pizza down in Columbus. Yeah. And I looked forward to that. And we got there after the race. And I'm like, God, I just don't know if I want any of this. But it's like, one, you have to eat. You've just run a marathon. You've got to eat. Right. It's like, you only get the chance for Hound Dogs a couple of times a year when you're down there. But shoot, I don't remember. I feel like you did, though, because you didn't talk about it last week. And it's ringing a dull thud. Yeah. I think I did, but you know what? What's funny about eating after a marathon in general? God, we gotta we gotta wind this shit down. I know. I just looked at the time. Um, we did take a bathroom break, um, but uh, the the one funny thing about eating after a marathon, and I've had this, I think, pretty much every time I've run a marathon, is I'm so hungry. I'm like, I'm sitting at, I'll be sitting at whatever restaurant we are at. I'm like, I will take all of it. <laughs> and then I take, then it gets there. I'm like, this looks so fucking good. I'm going to slam all this. But then I take like three bites and I feel like I'm going to throw up everywhere. 
get like super nauseous after like four bites. I'm like, I guess I'll just take the rest home. (laughs) It's really funny because I get like that after long training runs. I don't always get like that after marathons. My my stomach's kind of a mess after races. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, After a training run, I will just go eat everything. Yeah, you've no, seen my exactly Bob Evans. You've seen my Bob Evans uh, pictures, but I, I just I can't finish it after a race. I will think I want it, and then I start eating. I I'm done very quickly. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of how I am. My stomach's just a mess. Yeah, it's just a mess. Yeah, speaking of a mess, it's time to clean this mess up because. My prescribed bedtime is in 11 minutes. I don't think that's going to happen. Ooh, yeah, you need to uh, you need to get on that. So yes, yeah. start wrap tomorrow. up. So, you got any uh, any final thoughts for us as we we head into a few race week days before Columbus Marathon on Sunday? Man, just to just to wish you luck. Thank you. Just to wish you luck. This is. Are you, are you going to come down for it? Because I think you should. Because we need somebody to handle the Instagram stories. I can't. I can't get off this weekend. <laughs> sweetest, uh, sweetest day. She said. Those, <laughs> sweetest day is one of those. Uh, sweetest day is one of those days I'm not allowed to request off for work. We will be busy. Oh my god! Did you catch my? That's what she said. I did hear that. That might have been one guilty. of the best. That might have been one of the best ones I ever had. I can't get off this weekend. It's always good to it's always it's always good to know that those things are planned out. <laughs> I won't be getting off this weekend. <laughs> no, I will be. I'll be. I'll be tracking you on the Columbus app. There's an app. At least they had one last year. I will track you to see how you're doing. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to bed. You should do and, that. Uh, I might have one more beer because the beer drinking has to be cut off, not yeah. cut off, but has to be cut back. I do that too. So you got to get that last one in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll talk next week. That it's gonna yes. be a lot of fun. Yes. Um, to anybody running Columbus, yes, make sure. The weather looks great right now, uh, but it's still going to be – it is going to be a warmer, good weather day. So please do be very careful to hydrate, not just with water, but make sure you are dr- taking on electrolytes as well because just water is actually dangerous for uh, for runners. Uh, look into hypernatremia. It's very <laughs> – it's almost worse than dehydration because it's more difficult to treat. Um, if you fall into it. So be just be very careful, very mindful uh, of what you put into your body over the next few days. So we want to see you at the start line healthy, but more importantly, we want to see you at the finish line healthy. So um, Columbus Marathoners, we wish you the best of luck. Adam, I hope you enjoy your runs this week. And I will. I hope you enjoy tracking people. I hope you have a long list of people to track or just me. Just added you right now. All right. Is it is is it an app? 
that they have specifically, or is it still the rtrt.me? It's the rtrt.me app. Okay. Yeah. That's what I remember from last year when I was tracking you. My, 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 how the turntables. The tables have turned. Uh, All right. Well, I'm suddenly nervous that I lost you. I'm here. Oh, okay. I was waiting for you to finish up. Okay. Well, Columbus Marathoners, best of luck this weekend. Stay safe, stay strong. That goes to anybody else running races this weekend. And a mad congratulations to any of you who ran Chicago this past week. Don't want to forget you, even though we we pay a lot lot of attention to Columbus being an Ohio race, but don't want to forget those who finished Chicago and finished strong. So on behalf of Adam and myself, Oh, wait, you have to make sure that you rate us on your favorite podcast app. (laughs) This is a great closing. Isn't it always like (laughs) we're just so buttery smooth. Something like Uh, that. Yeah. If you rate us on your favorite podcast app, you can be sure that this garbage winds up um, more visible to somebody else. Um, So hopefully they can join us on our next journey to a race because we are coming up on our one-year anniversary of Rust Belt yes, running. Yes, we are. Whew. It all yeah. started after you qualified for Boston last year yes, at Columbus. Yes, it did. I think I messaged you the day of. My goodness, isn't that weird? I think you are. Yeah, I think it was that day. It was that day. It was think, very close to right after. Yeah, it, it, I think the day of, I was like, hey, I'm going to ask you something kind of weird in a couple of days or something like that. There or like a don't answer now. I'm just throwing this out there. Yeah. Um. Eh, but whatever. So yeah, uh, rate us. <laughs> Gosh, we are so awful at doing a podcast. As Thomas used to say, end it. <laughs> yes. So, uh, rate us, like us, follow us, whatever. Uh, if you want to wish me luck, you can do that on Instagram or Twitter. It's totally fine. Uh. So best of luck to Columbus runners. Congratulations, Chicago runners. Everybody, runners of all distances, enjoy your miles. And right there, I'm going to 